Hello, America, and welcome back to another episode of the Hear Me Tell It, the life and times of Jerry Daniels. When you've had your daily dose of today's craziness, dealing with all them Karens out there, ride shotgun with old JD as he goes back and recounts the life and times of growing up in the South during the 60s and 70s. I believe we were called baby boomers. Stories that you will say, yep, I've done that, but I ain't gonna tell my kids, and I ain't never told my spouse, but whatever the truth be, it will be this, to hear me tell Hello, it. Hello, good morning, folks. Welcome back to another episode of To Hear Me Tell It. Always and on the forefront, and most important, is to say thank you to the whopping, it's now dwindled down to 20-something people that even listen to this. But everybody, I just want to say thank you. I'll get that out of the way. It's not that it's it's, it's uh, to minimize it, but it's important. But I do appreciate it. Uh, I mean, I got great Bob Gherkin. I got Christy Dunn Barrow. I got Joe Stitka. Um, I think I got Al Reeder. And there's a couple other folks that are listening pretty regular, and I do appreciate it very, very, very much. Mike Posey, he's, he's one too. But anyway, thank you all. Hey, every, everybody's got a dadgum fishing story. And last week, I was out in Fort Worth, Texas, when the daily temperature was anywhere between 104 and 107. And it was blazing jimmies hot. Now, I don't know the mathematical formula for blazing jimmies, but it's damn hot. And I reported blazing jimmies hot one day when I was standing on the bridge wing in an Iraqi ship in the Persian Gulf, wearing, you know, long sleeve coveralls, overalls, overalls, and uh, all that battle tack vest, life preserver, and all that other crap, radios, and magazines, and pistol, and flashlights, and candy bars that were melting rapidly. And I called the captain one day, and he asked me, he, he was being a smart ass, and the captain on the ship called me over on this racky ship. They, I could see them. They were, they were standoff probably about a half mile off our starboard quarter. And Captain said uh, he, he wanted to know if it was hot. <laughs> of course, I, I looked over there with my binoculars, and his ass wasn't on the bridge wing. He was inside the damn the, uh, the bridge where it was AC was on. I said, hell, yeah, it's hot. He said, how hot is it? I said, it's blazing Jimmy's hot. And that's where the, I come up with that term, blazing Jimmy's. I don't know what that means, but. It was hot. It was hot in Texas last week. Good Lord, it was hot. It ought not ever be hot that, that hot anywhere. So anyway, so I was at this. Uh, I was at this thing called the NBS, which is the nation's best sports buying show. It's where gun dealers and retailers and whatnot, anybody that's in sporting goods, uh, outdoor sporting good type stuff, guns, ammo's, hell, fishing boats, every piece of fishing tackle you can imagine, freshwater, and. Uh, bows and anything to do with hunting or sport clay shooting target shooting gun cleaning gun maintenance silencers anything to do with that stuff it was a, it was a buyer show and i was walking around and i was talking to the uh the owner of, of the place i work and uh, we was talking about ice fishing and i saw these things he goes what are those and i i said well those those are those flags for people that ice fish and it reminded me uh, and I told her the story while we was walking around, but it reminded me of a, of a fishing story that I have to share. Now, this happened, this fishing story is about a time I got took fishing 
by my great friend named Timmy Dowd. Now, Timmy's done passed away. He was a great American, retired U.S. Navy. And Timmy Dowd was from, I think he was from Richmond, Maine, was the name of the town. But Timmy Dowd was a great American, a great American. Uh, got a wonderful wife named Miss Linda. And uh, he, he left us way too early. Anyway, so Timmy, this is before he even got married, I think. Yeah, it was before he got married. He decides he's going to take this old Georgia boy fishing. Now, first of all, we're going to go fishing in damn uh, like January. It was either January or February of 1985. He takes me fishing. And uh, he wants to take me ice fishing. Now, my first thought was we're going to freeze to death because he's going to take me to a lake and we're going to sit out there just because I've, you know, watched TV. This is back before we had internet and YouTube. And we didn't have all this this information, especially visual information. You had to watch TV or see it in a book or see it in real life. Well, I was getting going to get a chance. I was going to go see it in real life. We're going to go ice fishing in Maine in January. So I'm thinking we're going to freeze to death. And I said, okay. Uh, how, how do we do this? He said, well, meet me at, and he gave me the address and whatnot. And I had a little old Toyota four-wheel drive, and I had all the appropriate clothes because I'd been lived a year in Maine. So I had this one-piece overall coverall jumpsuit-looking thing that I would ride a, a, a snowmobile on with, and that baby was warm, man. I had these special boots and gloves and hats and scarves and skivvies, all the stuff was extreme cold weather stuff. So I suited all up. Well, I didn't suit it up there. I put it all in my truck, and and we used to drink a lot back then. So I had me a bottle of whiskey and my cigarettes. I smoked and uh, made some sandwiches. Yes, I did make sandwiches. And we left, or I left, to go meet him. So I meet him and then go in his house and, or his aunt's house, and we chat a little bit. And they didn't start a drinking. Now, it's it's about, shit, I'd say it's probably about 8.30 or 9 o'clock, something like that at night, and uh, maybe a little bit later. But I was asking Timmy, why do we have to do this this late? He said, well, we have to do it and time it right for a high tide. I said, well, what's the tide got to do with it? He said, well, we're hunting on a, we're fishing on a river. I said, a river? He goes, yeah, but the river's froze over good. And they already got the shacks out there. I said, what do you mean shacks? He said, well, you know, fishing shacks. I said, so we're not sitting in a chair out on the ice watching a, a, a hole. He goes, no, man, we don't do that. I said, oh, okay. I'm, I'm inclined. All right, I'll, I'll go along. Never done it before, but let's go. So I followed him. We get down there, and we get down there about 30 minutes early of optimum high tide. So then we have to park on this little road that goes down to the riverbank, and we got to wait. And it's dark. It's dark as Hades, man. And we got to wait. And all I can hear is this loud, uh, it's like this reverberating popping sound. And I asked Tim, I said, what the hell is that? And he said, well, that's the ice shifting because the tide's coming in, and it'll raise the ice up high enough to the edge of the riverbank we can drive out on it. Yeah, there's a long pause for a reason because I paused. I said, we're going to drive out on the river, a frozen river, but we got to wait till the ice gets high enough. He goes, yeah. 
I said, shit, man. And of course, now, if I had I seen pictures of all these other folks that had lost their uh, cars and trucks and snowmobiles that had fallen through the ice, I wouldn't have done it. I said, okay. Well, I could see lights out in the darkness. I could see these lights out there. And I and as as the high tide approached, I saw other car lights come on, and that was folks coming to drive off of the river, and we are going to drive on to the river. And I thought, damn, a mighty nose. And it wasn't no smooth. I mean, good thing I had to put it in four-wheel drive and I had to get down in there. A regular car couldn't have done it. So we drive out there, and I'm following him, and we go out there, and in my headlights, I start to see it more clearly. There's a bunch of damn sheds out there. He called them shacks. They look like damn sheds. And they was all probably, you know, 10 by 10 or 10 by 12 or maybe a 12 by 14, but they was like little mini houses, but they were sheds sitting out on the ice. And they all had little stacks coming out of them with smoke bellowing out of them. And lanterns were lit in there, and some of them had windows and and whatnot. But these sheds are like, they're built on skids, so you can just drag them on the ice and drag them off. So it's like, uh, you know, two two skids that these sheds are built on. They got big numbers on the side of them, uh, or by the door, reflective numbers. You can tell which ones, and I guess he had rented two of them. And we get out there, and we get to unloading and stuff. Now, when we was, I forgot to tell you, when we standing back there on the bank, it is freaking well below zero. So I didn't put all this freaking clothes stuff on because it was freaking freezing. So I put all these clothes on, so we get out there, and then we go in this shed, and then we got to get the, the little pot-belly fire stove in there started. And got a lot of wood. That, I guess the rent come with the wood. And we get these damn and we're I'm in I'm in mine. Me and, and there's another sailor with me. Uh, he's with me, and Timmy and I think two of his cousins are in the shed next door to us. And they're real close. They're probably like two or three far through through uh, about five feet apart. Let's just say that. And and we get these wood stoves started. And you got a little stool in there. And uh, Timmy comes over, and and we get all anyway. We get them damn stoves started. We're still drinking now. Don't mind. We're still sit, we're hitting that liquor. And and we ain't fished yet. And and we get out there and we we getting all settled and whatnot, and I tell you what right now it's unsettling to be parked and sitting in a shed on a damn river, and hear the whole river pop and it's like this, I'm like Tim, what the hell is that? He said, Well, that's the tide going back out. It's the river and the ice settling down. I said, man, this don't seem right. It don't seem safe either. He said, oh, no, we do it all the time. I said, okay, all right. So him and his cousins are all in our shed, shed teaching me and this other boy how to ice fish. We ain't never, and we're fishing for smelt. I forgot to say all this to start with. We're damn smelt fishing. I didn't know what a smelt was. It's just a long-ass sardine. That's all it is. It's a sardine that's probably about six, seven, eight inches long. It's a long-ass sardine. Call it what you want to, but that's what it is. So we're fishing for these things, and we and we uh, we're using this bait called bloodworms, a worm that'll bite your ass. So you're you're fishing with a worm that's already pissed off and angry that will literally bite you and draw blood. It's a bloodworm. So that's the bait. Now, so let me describe what the inside of this little shed looks like. So this is let's just say it's a ten by twelve. So it's ten foot wide, twelve foot long. Down at the very end, opposite end of the door, right in the middle, is a pot belly stove. Now, it's got a wood floor built into it. The whole floor 
of this shed that's built up on these skids is wood, with the exception of on the left side and the right side, there's probably about a six to eight foot trough on the left side and right side, and it's been cut so you can see down. There ain't no floor right there. And somebody has come along with a chainsaw and has cut the ice. So the ice ain't right there. So you can sit in this shed on this wood floor with a, 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 a you know glowing red stove with two troughs on each side that are cut open, and you can see down into the river. You can see the water. And there's a couple of chairs in there and a little, little bitty, you know, blocks of wood is what they were. You sit on two stumps, and, and we're in there. And then above these troughs on each side, suspended from the ceiling, is, is a, like a little bitty one-by-one one piece of wood that's about, well, it's about a foot longer than what the trough is. And it's suspended by springs, the kind of old, long, old skinny spring which you'd have on a screen door. So this long piece of wood is suspended horizontally right above this open trough with springs so it'll, they'll, they'll just hang and suspend. And then there's multiple lines of string tied around this little one-by-one one going down in the water. And you fish because you sit facing one of these troughs and you stare at these strings. And all them strings are hanging down in the river with, with doing a piece of that blood worm on there. And and and, and about eye level, because you're the one that put them there, but about eye level, you take a kitchen match and you kind of knot it about three times so it's in the string. So you sit back, you drink whiskey, and you watch all these little kitchen matches tied in each one of these lines. And when they start kind of moving around and that's that's your that's your uh, your bobber that's your float, and and when you see the kitchen mat start spinning and moving and jiggling, that means you got you a smelt on the line and you pull it up. You take them off and throw them in the bucket, and then you contend with another one of them damn blood worms that wants to bite your ass. Put put a piece of that on there and you put it back in there and you catch them. And the goal is catch this damn bucket full of smelt, and that's that's the that's the event. So. So anyway, so this this goes on, and he shows us how to do it and whatnot. And him and his cousin are over there, and 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 again now we're, we're all getting funny now because we're drinking so damn much, and and it didn't take long for me to realize I'm damn I'm sweating to death. So I start shedding clothes. Why well, I thought we was gonna keep all these clothes on, so it's not like I had on a pair of blue jeans. All I had on was a pair of long handles with flat door in the back, and these boots. So before it's over with, it ain't long. That's the only thing I got on is a pair of damn uh, long-handle underwear, onesies with a flap in the back, and that's it. And we're and we're drinking Crown Royal. Yep. So anyway, so he all through this education and 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 you know uh, hands-on instruction about this is how you do it, and sure enough, uh, he gets me all set up. And hell, it don't long, take long. He He's doing me on one side, and his cousin's doing uh, my buddy on the other side, and we're getting all our, our lines set up and stuff, and sure enough, man, it ain't no time. Boom, boom, boom. You know, and he's like, there you go, there you go. And I pull it up, and sure enough, there's a smelt on there. So then it's, well, you bait the hook, and then, you know, we'll stand here for a minute. And I, I stand there, and sure enough, man, my, I'm, I'm studying. And you got a minute, I'm sitting on a stump in damn long-handled underwear, 
staring at all these little strings with these matches on it, and they're behind me, and my matches are moving, and I'm pulling the string up real fast, and all of a sudden, I can't catch smelt no more. And the blood worm's still on there. This ain't like something took my bait. And I mean about six or seven of these within a matter of a minute. I'm getting it, man. And I ain't catching shit. I'm like, what the heck did I do wrong? Needless to say, and unbeknownst to me, them sons of bitches was behind me reaching over my head and jiggling the strings. So that was that was funny to them. So anyway, so here's the fishing story of the fishing story. One of Timmy's cousins was crazy. And I don't know his name or whatnot, but he's crazy. And uh, and I suspect maybe there was some other stuff going on other than liquor. And we settled in and and whatnot and 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 got back and they left. They went back over to their little shack and me and this other fella, I ain't gonna say his name because I don't think I'm, anyway. He was he's behind me. We're fishing. We're laughing our ass off, and whatnot. And and I had gone outside to to uh, to piss. And I don't know why I went outside to piss, but I went outside to piss, and and uh, beat on their door. And they was laughing. Man, they were laughing in there. I could hear them. And went back over. I went back in my little shack. Me and that fella sitting there. And we're fishing. We're catching smelt now. We're catching smelt, y'all. I know many folks ain't gonna believe this. But I'm sitting there observing my little strings and matches hanging down in that damn trough of water on a river that's making noises. And a damn, his cousin shot up out of the water in my trough hole laughing and scared me. And he thought that was funny as shit. And then he went back down and swam under and went back up as his. I don't know what the tide was like. But that guy dropped down in the damn river, swam over to ours and popped up in the dark of the night. Now, I'm sure he could see the lights because we had bright lanterns in there. And it scared me to frickin' death, and I was drunk. And I remember thinking after that night was over with, as I drove back to the Navy base, that uh, that was absolutely one of the craziest people I think I'd ever met in my life. And, and, uh, and I, and you know, what's even crazier is, uh, is I went bear hunting with this same group of people one time in Maine. So that's, that's my fishing story. My fishing story is in 1985, in the winter of 1985, I went smelt fishing with Timmy Dowd and his kinfolk and we caught a lot of smelt. Oh, and, and let me tell you this. We had to take our smelt with us and me and this other guy, we left after we all left, we're going home and we got these two big five gallon buckets of smelt. And I know it sounds terrible, but we lived in the barracks. And we got these two five-gallon buckets of smell, and they insisted we take them. So it was telling us how to cook them and all this shit. We lived in the frickin' barracks. And we're heading back to the Navy base, and we pulled over and dumped them bucket of smelt out on the side of the road, and we went home. I didn't take one of them damn fish with me. So that's it. That's my, that's my fishing story about fishing in uh, 1985 in the winter in Maine, and uh, I, I miss Timmy Dowd. He was a great American. He served his country well. Got a lovely wife, and uh, I, w- I went to their wedding, and uh, I was not able to go to his funeral. He died early. Timmy liked to drink. Timmy liked to smoke. 
a boy smoked cigarettes, chain cigarettes, one after the other after the other. And uh, let me tell you a little quick story because I love Timmy. I got a picture of me. <laughs> I, sh I should show it to somebody. I got a picture of me laying in the rack with Timmy Dowd. That's his name, Timmy Dowd. But I'm laying in the rack, and I'm in my, my whitey tighties. And I am sunburned. This is in Puerto Rico. And I am sunburned so damn bad I can't move. And he won't get out of the bed. So I, I jumped in the bed with him and was messing with him. But uh, when we lived in Sicily, I would go I would go wake Timmy up for a flight. And I was a second class, and I think he was a first class then. And and I'd wake him up, <clears throat> and and we didn't lock our doors in the barracks in Siganella. This was in 84. And I'd go in there, and he'd be asleep. <clears throat> and Timmy was a short little old dude. And a hairy man. Good Lord, he was hairy. He had hair everywhere. On his back, it, it was hair. He looked like the wolf man. He had so much damn hair on him, it was, it was unbelievable. He was funny. I loved him. His personality, his, his, his mannerism, his generosity. He was kind. Man, he was funny. And he was a good acoustic operator. There was none better. I'm going to say this again. There was none better that could operate the old P3 Charlie system acoustic uh, analysis system, but on the airplane, if you wanted to find a Russian submarine, Timmy Dow could find a Russian submarine. He was good. He was real good. And when he said, that's contact, he, he knew it. He, he was good. But I'd go wake him up, and I'd go in there, and I'd open the door and come in there and go, you know, it could be one in the afternoon, it could be one in the morning, because we were flapping, flying in the Cold War. I'd say, Timmy, we got to go. Timmy, we got to go. Timmy, we got to go. I'd shake him, shake him. He'd be all up under his, his sheets, be all up tucked under his chin, and you'd you'd see and hear his hands rustling under his sheet, and all of a sudden, one of his hands would come out from under the sheet with an unlit cigarette. He'd plug that cigarette in his mouth. And he ain't moved. He ain't said a word. His damn eyes ain't even opened yet. His hands would go under the sheets, and you'd see him rustling around. He'd come out with a cigarette. His hands would go back under the sheets, rustle around. He'd come up with a lighter. He'd lay there, his eyes are still closed, click, he'd light the lighter, he'd take a drag off that cigarette and blow the smoke right out of the both sides of his mouth, still ain't opened his eyes, and he'd do that about four or five times, and he's opened his eyes, and he says, is it time for us to go? I said, Timmy, we got to go. He said, let me finish this cigarette, and that boy could finish that cigarette in about four draws, and then he would take at least four packs on a 12-hour flight, and we'd go flying and do our thing. I love Timmy Dowd. He was a good man. He was funny. He's funny. That's a shame, folks. Got to. Anyway. All right. That's all I got, man. It's already 20 something minutes, and I don't even know what the title's going to be. Hey, I hope y'all enjoyed my last one. I thought it was funny as hell. But anyway, um, and I'll, I'll continue to do this. A lot of my, a lot of my, a lot, like I got a lot. Uh, a few. How's that? A few of the listeners say, Jerry, you just might as well go ahead and do a separate channel and go political. I think I will. I just got to make sure I do it the right way uh, so I can at least be on for a few weeks before I get fired or kicked off or silenced. You know how the the uh, the Democrats and the liberals they don't, and, the, and the woke, they don't want you to be honest and truthful or, or talk about the, what's really factual. They'll, uh, they'll, they'll shut you down, and, and they'll, just like they did uh, Thomas Jefferson when, when the printing press back in the 1700s. Same thing, same thing. All right, that's all I got. All right, Mike Coker, I hope you have a great day. I know probably at this time of the year you're already making preparations to move your wonderful Class A RV further south for the winter and take your gal friend with you, and you're going to go play golf somewhere else and drink whiskey somewhere else. So that's it. 
Y'all know what old Mike would say. Signing off. Bicycle. Bicycle.